in March, we just asked the kind of uh, re-emphasizing Peter's position. But he spoke the more vehemently. In other words, very, very strongly. Not too soon, just before it came. Says, Henry, if I should die with thee, will I not deny thee of many waters? And then we go over to March 61. His last one was the one for Turkey, which is really overlooked by a lot of people. There's a lot of importance there. I spent a lot of time on it when I was doing ministry over there. <coughs> and the Lord turned and looked. None of the other three say that. Only, only in Luke. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered. And the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, before the cock crowed, thou shalt deny me twice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, would be with us this morning? Help us, Lord, to understand some of the some of the decisions that Peter made, right or wrong, and made those decisions that we may learn from them this morning. Give us wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't use these 50 cent words they have in here, okay? I normally, I normally do some of these down to 25 cent words, and that way you can all understand them. But anyway, so but today we're going to talk about self reliance. Next week, I want to go back to forbearance, which is again waiting on the Lord. And the third week, if you're still coming in, I'm still here, we'll talk about restoration. And that's uh, when you fail, that doesn't need to be final. And the last time, the last one we're going to do on first of uh, September or eighth is this one. All right. What we just read, kind of a summary of that is, Jesus predicted that his disciples would all desert him in his hour of trial. Peter spoke for all of them, he thought, stating that he would be willing to die for the Lord and would never forsake him. Jesus told Peter directly that he would deny him three times and it happened, not surprisingly, just as Jesus said it would. Now, the question to start out with, did Jesus make, or did, uh, did Peter make mistakes? Certainly he did. He was flesh and blood like you and I are. Now, over the next three or four weeks, I do not want to beat up on Peter. What I want to do is hopefully you'll look at some of the decisions that Peter made and why he made those decisions, and hopefully that's going to help us not to make One thing you want to keep in mind about Peter, I didn't know that much about Peter until I started reading a lot about him, um, is even though he was a tough old fisherman, and that was a tough, that was a tough occupation, he had a tough old fisherman, Peter set his eyes upon following Jesus. That's really all he had in his heart. His whole intent throughout his ministry was to be the best disciple that Jesus Keep that in mind. He makes mistakes. Just so you know, his intent was good. Thanks, Bob. Amen. All right. Educational and daily life often comes through what is commonly called the school of hard knocks, where to strict schools and patient offices, which results in overconfidence in the life of the believer. Peter was a God-called, God-gifted man, but he's also a man who was very, very sure of himself. Okay? He was confident in the fact that even if others would deny Christ, he would remain the last man standing. That's what the writer wrote. 
God bore the young bed against this very attitude of self-confidence. The scripture does not say Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore, that him that thinketh he standeth, let he must be fall. I mean, it's just darn perfect. I mean, there, there is healing-willing boastfulness. All right. Christ tells his disciples that they must all be offended and forsaken. And forsaken. He singled out Peter, though. Christ singled out Peter. He said, telling him especially that Satan, special target for Peter. Peter said, not so, Lord, not so. But we find out Peter's response to the sun is to be a little warning to us when we sing not so to Christ and he does it to us. First he says he compares himself to others. It's very dangerous. <coughs> he said, and though all men should be offended, I will not be offended. Okay? The moment we begin to think that we are better than Every man, unlike other individuals, we're in for a big mistake. Repeating ourselves. Each of us is a sinner saved by grace, possessing the carnal matter. Alright. Peter's second statement was that he would never be offended. That's dangerous. Anytime we think that we would never do something, we're walking on very thin ice. Keep that in mind because you need to be very careful with using the word never. It is something that's difficult to adhere to. Life can change. Circumstances change. I have a beautiful example about Marty and I going down to Harbor Faith. Marty, I don't have time to say it. But I, I promise I'd never go back. And then Marty comes up and slices a 30% coupon in front of me. And two hours later, we were at Harbor Faith. And I said, I'll never go back. Because of what I thought didn't work. And so I said, <coughs> But anyway, be careful with using the word Noah. And it does, there's some examples in the Bible uh, talk about Noah. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, Noah never believed that he would be and have a drinking problem, but he did. Yeah. In Genesis uh, 9.1, David undoubtedly believed he would never actually murder anybody. Let's talk to Uriah about that. <coughs> so these were great men of God, and they failed, but God was just going to give them back that man. He would stand with Christ. He would stand with Christ. That's another thing to note. Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Now, Peter had good intentions. And here he made a real brave resolution. It should be our goal as Christians to stand at the side of Jesus Christ. Scripture commands us to do that. We look at it in uh, Ephesians 6.13. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. It was Peter's intent to stand with Christ to the end. It should be our intent to stand with Christ to the end. I was trying to think of an example. How to think of an example. I couldn't think of an example until we come to church this morning. Walked in on the way to church, I have my example. You know, I have a good intention. I intend to never break the law. I intend, I got people saying, I know I am not going to break the law. I don't want to. Abide the law. So we start coming to church, we're a little bit late. My intent was to go 70 miles an hour, but I didn't say 75. But because we were going to be a little bit late, I looked down, I was going 79 miles. I didn't say 75. Now, had there been a policeman there, and he stopped me, and I said, sir, 
It was my intention to go 70 miles an hour. Did things ever have gotten me off? Probably not. He may have laughed and looked at the bottom and said, Judge, it was his intention to go 70 miles an hour. I talked to him several times. So I guess the question comes, and when you look at the a definition of good intention is, doing something because you think it's the right thing. I appreciate it. In my case, I ask the question, do good intentions justify a bad action? Yes. That's exactly right. And when he goes to, I'm preaching here, when he goes to hell, he's told to what? Yes. Do intentions. So just be careful with it. In your heart, it's got to be right. Okay, let's see. Now, secondly, he would die with Christ. Peter went on to declare that he would stay with the Lord to the end, that, and that even if his next breath was his very life, he would not deny the Lord. He said, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Peter was a man who truly loved Jesus, declared himself willing to make the ultimate sacrifice in his faith. That's the job of Joseph. He's just a simple person. Would I be willing to die for Christ? Would you be willing to die for Christ? Would you be willing to give your life rather than deny Christ? Well, you know, we, we know that others have done so in the past going forward. I don't know if anybody's ever read the, uh, the book on Fox's book on martyrs. I haven't read it. I'm not going to read it. My wife gets up in the morning and reads, reads at night, reads the day, reads all day long. I don't read much. I have looked at this. I have not read it. But if you get it, you really ought to read it. It, it gives hundreds and hundreds of accounts of persecution and death suffered by those who stood for Christ. Really good book. I don't know if you have it back in the bookstore or not, but if you don't, you can go to Google and get it for 15 bucks. And if you really ought to get that book and read it. It's a good book. Okay. Let me see here. All right, let's get into the second part here. Peter's wavering bones. Uh, you know, as we continue looking at these passages, we see that Peter's bold boast of his intention to stand with Christ and follow him to death is about to be challenged. Where Peter had once been in his inner circle and very close to the Master, that during this time of his life, things of danger and distress, he begins to follow, what's the Bible say? Afar. He begins to and follow afar. He begins to kind of get out of that front seat and get in the back seat. The farther, you know, the farther we get from Christ, the more prone we are to do things and say things that we would be unlikely to do if we were in the presence of God. Yeah. Right. The farther you get away. Secondly, then, his departure. Peter's departure. Mark 14, 50. And they all forsook him and fled. It is a heart-rendering thing when a person forsakes a good close friend. It's a heart-rendering thing. Think about Jesus in this circumstance. Jesus for three years had mentored these 12 men to be his friend and to be his follower. And what did Jesus ask of them? The only thing he asked of them was to follow. That's all he asked. He had suffering. He had temptation.
like we are. We didn't take our first flight of ships. I know the uh, his first command, actually his first command that he knew was probably Matthew, uh, or let's see, Matthew 16, 24. When Jesus, when he says, you, your disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, as believers, we need to realize that what Christ wants from us here is the same thing. Right. He just wants us to follow him. That's all he's asking us to do. First Peter 2, 21, for even here and here, though you told it because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. All right, here's the thing. Matthew 1, 6, 58, but Peter, Peter followed afar off into the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants receiving them. Why is it important about the gifts of service? It doesn't say anything in the, in the, it doesn't say anything at all in the, in the guide that we have. But I looked that up. That's the world. He sat with people that were Jewish people that wanted to crucify Christ. He started, he started to set himself apart from following Christ. When we make a decision to take us out of the company of Christ, we are often putting ourselves in the company of those who are not followers of Christ. The Bible tells us on many occasions how important it is that we surround ourselves with the right company. I don't know how many verses I looked up, but man, there was a, this is important to the Lord about running with the right people. The Bible's full of verses. I found about 15 or 16 verses on how you separate ourselves. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but his companion of fools shall be destroyed. Continue on down the line. Proverbs 1, 10. My son, it says, Entice thee, consent thou not. And going on down to Corinthians 6, 14. Be not chemically yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has likeness with darkness? Corrupt. Therefore, come ye out from among them, is the last matter, and be ye separate from the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. All right, you know, good illustrations. I was looking around for a good illustration. Some good illustrations. Think about Lot. The decision Lot made. What did Abraham do? Abraham gave him a choice, didn't he? Gave him a choice. Lot looked over toward Sodom for the same for all three years. And he took that as his wrong decision. Um, and then being the pastor, I am sure I, I had a couple of things in here, decisions that I made. Had a good example. I'll go with the good example. <laughs> I remember when I graduated from college in 1968. Most of the time, this is the thing. I I graduated from college. And, uh, another fellow graduated with me. Uh, we were working in uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Just started working for the same organization. And I'll never forget this young man. His name was Robert. Told much of this. His name was Robert Thomas. And he came to drive. We were sitting in a training meeting one day. And he said, Todd, you got your monthly five or ten thousand dollars. And I looked at him and I said, I got five or ten thousand. I said, I can't be telling you. And he said, You got this. And my uncle, who was a good businessman, is about to start a new restaurant. He said, It's going to go big. And I said, I thought about it. He said, You can go out and borrow ten thousand dollars. And I said, No, I can't. I said, You were a damn kid for your college. I would work three jobs. I said, I don't have any money. I said, I just bought a car. I was just trying to leave for an apartment. And I asked him, I said, no. 
Well, about six months later, I found out that his uncle <laughs> had started, David Thomas had started the first Wendy's in Columbus, Ohio. Like, I could have been the guy that said, where's the beef? <laughs> the decisions you make. I think this was a decision. Okay. His denial, fear of denial. And after a while, I, or after a while, it came, no, after a while, it came to him that they stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for they speak this way to Then again he to curse and disgrace said, I know not that I am in the new age, not true. You know, one thing that's kind of missing in this passage, a lot of people overlook, is the fact that people recognize Peter for what? Being with Jesus. Yep. They recognize that. They gave it to Peter. Every time people saw Jesus, they would see Peter close by. And that was a wonderful testimony. I asked myself today, I asked myself, I worked in a, in a private school. In a, uh, I, I didn't work in the first school. Even, I didn't want to do that. I worked for the government, worked in private industry some. I often wonder, what about me? What about you? What do they think when they see you? When they see you at work, do they identify you as Christ? When they look at me, they look, I hope they do. Uh, and of course, that's very important. Uh, I think people see someone that knows Christ in their life. Okay, let's see. Let's get down. I'm trying to decide what to do over here. Acts 4.13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Peter. Let's go over there for a second. All right. Let's stop and think. Had Peter, had Peter stayed as close to the Lord as he originally intended to the event, he would almost certainly not have denied Christ. But because Peter had strayed from the presence of Christ and found his self-reliance was not enough, it enabled him, it enabled himself to disavow that he had made to God. Okay, we'll explain a little bit more about that as we go next to the next one. Peter's weeping bitterness. Stand on that, stand on that. There we go. Weeping bitterness. Matthew 26, 75, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice, and went out and wept bitterly. You know, like Peter, all of us are going to stumble and fall. There's no doubt about it. We're all going to stumble and fall in our walk with Jesus Christ. John Luke 24, 16, the pastor talked about there being the last man that will come to the storehouse. For a just man falls seven times and rises up again. What's important for the Christian to realize is that when we fall, we can get up again. Amen. Christ will help us get up again. That's what Christ wants to do, is to help us to get up again. You know, you stop and look at the people who have fallen in the Bible, and it's a, it's a, it's a long list of people yeah. that Jesus turned around and used, God turned around and used. Isaiah of Abraham, he doubted God, so he went, went into Hagar. Had a son, but God took the son he promised him to Isaac later on. Look at Moses. Moses murdered an Egyptian. Look what Moses did. David took Bathsheba. Look what David, what Christ did with David when David repented. And 
we're going to draw close to the Lord, we need to draw away from the people and things of the world. You cannot, this is what happens, you cannot have the body of Christ. You've got to have no man enter, be managers, either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And the second thing that he did, other than being away from all of us, his remorse is he wept bitterly. You know, it's a couple of weeks, and I got a feeling that he was probably didn't cry very much. But he wept bitterly. And uh, you re we remember with great sorrow that his boasting of how far he would go for the Lord contrasts with how far he left the Lord. Right. You know, he, uh, no, I've got a couple of scriptures here for it. But anyway, the only thing, oh, no, we don't talk about David. That's where we go with that. All right. Basically, what the good and all is today is Peter wasn't prepared for the fear that was greatly impacted and tempted him following Christ. And he wholly made the declaration of his loyalty to the Lord. Finally, Satan will often attempt to give us a false sense of security and strength in our own self-reliance. He'll convince you that you will say, I got this. Yeah. I can do this. It's taken care of. Our strength is not in or of ourselves, but solely of God. When we depend on His strength and ask for His help, we create a safeguard against the attacks of pride and fear. When we fall, as we will fall, may we learn from our mistakes and ask the Lord for forgiveness. He is faithful to forgive and restore. There's one thing I wanted to get out of my notes. I can't get it out two pages from now. I get wound up when I get down. I was wondering what God wanted to talk about. But I'm going to get to it. Oh, well. We'll get our notes written here. Yeah, I guess not. Okay. Let's see here. Is that the one? Thank you. All right. I guess we'll learn from that. We'll get a little bit about Peter. We'll learn about uh, uh, different aspects of Peter. And I just hope that we can learn... I've read through all of them. I read through all four of them. And it's pretty clear that the next one on forbearance is waiting upon the Lord. Uh, but like I said before, let's not forget, even though we're picking on Peter, it's not really picking on him, but it's picking out the, the decisions he made and trying to figure out why he made them so that we'll not make the same mistakes. Okay, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for the folks here. And just pray you'll be with the pastor now. Over to come and uh, use us here for 